0: Hello, and welcome to the Latter day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and also hear from
1: inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co hosts. Today, we're so excited to have Sister Solote Tukawafu. She is a member of the Primary General Advisory Council, and we're so excited to have her with us today. Sister Tukawafu, welcome. Thank you. Before we dive into the questions, we wanted to give a brief introduction of our guest. Sister Solote Tukuwafu was born in Nuku'alofa, Tonga, and she and her husband, Suliasi, have four children and seven grandchildren. Sister Tukuafu studied at LDS Business College, and this is a fun fact, she owns her own catering business, although she doesn't want us to do any advertisement of it because it's just friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's neat that you have that amazing talent. Recently, she served as a temple worker in the Salt Lake Temple before it closed and underwent all the renovations that it's currently undergoing. So we're excited to have you and have you share your experiences with us. Thank you. Sister Tukuafu, you were born in
0: Tonga, as Shailen said, and then moved to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your time growing up in Tonga and then your time in Hawaii as well?
2: Yes, thank you for asking. Growing up in Tonga is a very humbling experience. We are not rich, but we feel rich because of the gospel. And a lot of times our faith is the one that finishes everything for us. So for one thing that I've learned, and I bring it back here to America, and I share with my children is um, if a stranger was walking down the street and your family's getting ready to have their meal, you would call them to come. You invite them in. You invite them in. They will, you know, just say they're in a hurry or they will come. They'll come and feast with you, and you don't even know who they are. Wow, so generous. And after that, you pack up a plate of food or a tray of food, and then they would go with it. But my most fond memory of growing up is every Sunday was a day where the best eating. Sunday was the best, but my parents would get up so early in the morning and cook our food. After that, we would go to church, come back. And before we eat, my mom would put out four or five plates, even six, and she would put every food that we have prepared in those plates. And we were still kids and we were hungry. And I thought, okay, there goes our meal. It's already on these plates. And my mom says, Salote, come here. I need you to take these food to the neighbors. Uh And it wasn't just our next door neighbor, no, Mm -hmm. this is a neighbor that's three houses down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would take the food. And, you know, many times I wanted to peek inside the plate and just take something (laughs) and eat it. But my mom was standing in the door. She was watching. (laughs) She was watching. So we would take it. But it wasn't just our family. It was a culture. Mm -hmm. Every family did that. And so when I came home, there was more food from the neighbors (laughs) than what we originally cooked. That's so neat. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It is. When I came here, I tried it. I wanted to show my children how we lived in Tonga. And I did give it to my neighbor because they're not members. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful way to minister. Mm -hmm. But it was so foreign to them. And I'm okay with it. Uh I'm okay with it. But they
0: probably really appreciated your generosity
2: and kindness. And we say hello to each other. And now my neighbor, the missionaries are teaching them so I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for my humble upbringing, what it had taught me. Mm -hmm. So we moved to Hawaii when I was nine, and oh, it was a different world. So growing up in Tonga, I used to think, America, nobody works. You just pick (laughs) money off trees. (laughs) And so when we came to Hawaii, it was very different. The food was different. But I know what my parents wanted to do was find a place where the church was the center of our home. If we didn't have a vehicle, we would just walk there. So that brought our two islands together because the gospel
1: was always there. Oh, that's neat. I loved how you shared with me earlier, too. You said growing up in Tonga, you said it's a God-fearing people. And you said the Sabbath was a day of worship. And I just feel like that probably created such a strong foundation for you to then carry on with your family through your moves and things like that, but something that you could really hold on to. And that was a really neat example for you. Absolutely. And you know, coming to Hawaii, stores were open.
2: People was working. And that was a shock to us. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Because Sabbath day, everybody knew you can't have a picnic Even it was so hot, men could not walk around without a shirt on. They couldn't mow their lawn, nothing, or you'll be taken by the police. Mm -hmm. So it was just a day of worshiping God, but every faith. And so if we were walking to church or if you were there walking to church, you can just hear people singing. That's it. And we all knew each other's songs. I knew all the Methodist uh, churches' hymns Mm -hmm. because you hear it every Sunday you walk. So it was kind of different when we came to Hawaii, but it's such a beautiful place.
0: Thank you so much for sharing about your childhood and about some of these things that are different for some of us or foreign, but bring such beauty to the way that you live the gospel and teach your family.
1: I also really loved this story about your grandfather's conversion to the restored gospel. And though his decision to join the church really led to many hardships, he was incredibly faithful, and it was just so inspiring to me. Would you share this story with our listeners?
2: Yes, I will. So my grandfather's name is Tevita Mulikinikini. It's my mom's father. In Tonga, there are many little islands, and the island my grandfather came from is called Uija. So when he decided to become a member of the church, his uncle was the noble of that little island. And so my grandfather was given land to him. His whole family disliked the church so, very, very much. But there was an Caucasian elder, elder Miller from Salt Lake City mm-hmm. who went to Tonga and taught my grandfather and he believed. And so my grandfather told his family that he's getting baptized to the church. The noble, his uncle says, from today, I will take everything away from you. You will have no land. You will not even have a home. I need you and your family to go out in the street and be homeless. They said that he failed them. He decided to join another church. Mm -hmm. And that's when the church in Tonga were in its infancy. Mm -hmm. So They just thought it was a man-made church, but why is he believing it? Mm -hmm. But my grandfather, when he and his wife and some of his little children left the home, my grandfather turned to his noble uncle and he says, take everything away from me. Take my land, take my home, and I don't care. The home that I want is the home with God, and that's the home that I want to live in. So take everything because I will find a home here on earth. Whether I go to the big island or other islands, I'll find a home. But the home I really want for my family is with God. And that's what I want.
0: What a tremendous heritage of faith and sacrifice. But so much faith. That's what I hear in that story. And I'm sure that's carried through your family. That's amazing. Yes, And what happened to him next? Where did he go?
2: So he boarded with his little family from their little island of Uiha and went to the main island. They did not have anything, anything at all. They've left everything behind. Yeah. And there was no land because in the main island, the king is the one who distributes the land to the people. And so he just sat with his little family by the street, not knowing where to go. And a gentleman... I think he was on his way downtown or something, and he looked over to my grandfather and he says, what are you doing, where are you going? And he says, we don't know. We have no home. We're leaving everything up to God. And the man turned around and he says, well, here is my property. Have this property, raise your family. This will be yours. And that was it. Then the man left. So my grandfather built their home there. And that's the faith he has, and hopefully he'll linger to us as his grandchildren and his posterity. Just have faith in the Lord, because he will take care that he'll provide. He will. He'll provide. You know, you leave worldly possession, and the Lord will provide.
1: And as you're speaking, I'm just thinking about Nephi's family in the Book of Mormon. They left everything, but it's like they had their family. And I love how you said they wanted that home with God. It's like wherever Heavenly Father was going to lead them, that's what mattered. And so I thought that was kind of a neat parallel. But yeah, what a beautiful legacy that he left for his posterity of faith. Thank you. Have there been times that
0: you've had to draw upon and rely on that faith? Oh, yes. My husband, he was
2: diagnosed with leukemia when our oldest was 12.
0: Oh, wow. So really My, young. Your children yes. are really young. young
2: yes. And so when he had cancer, because I didn't know so much about cancer, that word cancer to me is a death, just death threat. You know, there's no ins or out. That's it's it. Not a lot of hope. Yes. And so when they diagnosed him, My husband was doing well there, and they said that he had to go through chemo if they wanted to prolong his life. And so it went on and on, and my husband started showing the effect of the cancer. And so he was losing his strength, his appetite, and then he did not go to work anymore. He just stayed at home. So hard. It was so hard. And prayers and fasting, we did day in and day out. Our oldest, Ezra, he went to school, and the principal called me and says, you need to come here because the paramedics are here. And I said, okay. I run over there. My son fainted at school. And so I said, Ezra, what's the matter? Are you feeling sick? He says, no, Mom, I've been fasting. Oh, oh, wow. I've been fasting for dad, but I'm going to be okay. And so they diagnosed him that he was just dehydrated. Oh, this is
1: so sweet.
0: (laughs) Poor
2: kid. And so I said, you know what, Ezra, just go ahead and eat. Dad will be okay. So we fasted, and my husband was going down and down. The chemo was not helping anymore. Mm -hmm. One evening, we had our family home evening. We were breaking our fast, and he said to me, it's enough. And I said, what? No more. No more. No more pleading with the Lord for my life. That's enough. You've got to tell him, let thy will be done. Mm -hmm. But for a wife, it's so hard to Mm -hmm. say those words because our kids are so young. And it was so hard. And he said, you have to let it go. You have to let me be and say the words. Say it to God and tell him, thy will be done. So when we broke our fast that evening, I said it. I said, Heavenly Father, that will be done, but you know my heart. Two days after that, there was a phone call, and the nurse says, uh, can I talk to Salote? I said, this is her. I was already frustrated mm-hmm. because according to the diagnose, if you were to have transplant, the siblings are the only one who is able to come and get tested because their genes are the same. Mm -hmm. Because it's the same parents. Mm -hmm. And so four of them lived here in America. All four did not. And the doctor says, always, always one out of four will match. Four came and did not match at all. Had one sibling in Tonga, and I said, we got to bring him. So my brother-in-law came, was tested. He did not match. Oh, oh my no. Goodness. He did not match my husband. So I told the nurses, you've got to take my four boys and myself. And they said, you know what? It will not match. Your boys, the cells, everything is different because of you and your husband. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we have nothing to lose. You don't either. Just take my boys, please. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they did. But after we broke our fast two days after that, the nurse called and she says, are you sitting down? And she says, I just want to tell you that we found a 100% match from one of your sons. Wow. Wow. And I said, what? Yeah, it's your oldest, Ezra. And he is not 80, not 90, 100% match with your husband. So we will go ahead. And I was also told from them that that was a perfect age because then his marrow has fully developed for them to be able to take it out for my husband. So everything just took its course, and that was a testimony of my faith that we need to let God be in charge, because I can't love my husband more than God does, and sometimes the Lord needs us to give it to Him, let Him be in charge of our life, because He is the ultimate person
1: who's in charge of our life. So I think He waited for me to say, "Thy will be done. This is such a miraculous story. And as you're saying, you know, you had to let go and let God's will happen. I'm amazed, though, at the work that you had already done. You had done so much work. And so I love that combination of your faith in action and then your faith in saying, okay, Heavenly Father, literally, we've done everything that we can do. And whatever happens, it's your will. But then, you Mm -hmm. know, my heart, I thought that was beautiful. Thank you. But, you know, I don't think it's just me. Every
2: woman in the church have that faith, too. And I know all of them knew more than I did. I had to have that experience to understand true faith.
0: Thank you so much for sharing.
1: And I think another test of faith, though, is when Heavenly Father's will doesn't align with yours. Because in this situation, your husband lived in this miraculous way. He recovered. So that's a major test of faith. But then it's another test of faith when that doesn't happen. I wonder what you would say to sisters who may be listening who had the opposite experience and didn't see these miracles happen for something that they thought might or wanted to and Mm -hmm. prayed for and worked for.
2: Oh, I do understand. But you know that moment that I did let go and turn it over to God to do His will, there was a calm and peace that came to me Mm -hmm. that all will be okay. You just need to let Him be in charge, and He takes care. So whether He lived or my husband did not, I felt peace that God is going to take care.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Sister Tuku'afu, in our previous conversation, you mentioned that something that you've learned in, in your assignments as a general advisory council member is that you've seen over and over again that each and every culture is so beautiful. And through these experiences, we're wondering how you've seen that diversity can actually bring unity and that the love and acceptance of our differences can bring us closer together.
2: Absolutely.
0: What I believe is the Lord had a purpose
2: of putting my ancestors in the island. The Lord has a purpose of putting all of us, His children, where He knows it will be good for us. Wherever we are in the world, the Lord put us there for a purpose. We just need to find the goodness of the purpose that Heavenly Father put us there for. And with the different culture, I think it's so beautiful because if everything was the same, oh that would be so boring. <laughs> but with different culture, it's a beautiful thing. It brings out goodness. But there are also some culture that we need to do away with. I know and I believe that if culture aligns with heavenly Father's will, then by all means do it. Go and ahead celebrate with it. it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if it doesn't then just don't even bother with it because culture really is a man-made heritage. Mm -hmm. It's not a God law. So when it doesn't align with the Lord, then just leave it alone. In my Polynesian or Tonga culture, respect is a utmost important thing, to respect each other. So in our culture, there is no word as cousins. There's no Tongan word for uncles or aunties. So everyone is a mom or dad or just brothers and sisters. And I find that so beautiful because really in the scripture, the Lord refers to everyone as brothers and sisters. To me, I think that's such a beautiful thing that we did not have the word for cousins and things like that. So utmost respect for women in our culture. They're put up on a pedestal. But there is a culture that I believe that we need to do away with. Respect is beautiful, but there are some things that we don't talk about in front of a brother or sister, like in a church setting or some kind of a congregational setting. We do not talk about pornography. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to do away with that. Parents need to teach their children. So that's a culture, I believe, that it's coming to light. It's changing. It's changing. And I love that. And I know our young people who are growing up here in America, it frustrates them. Why can't I go talk to my parents about this? Because to them, it's a taboo. Mm -hmm. That's a culture I think we need to do away with. And I think it is. It's being heard.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that many of your assignments in your calling as a member of the General Advisory Council has been to work on various social issues, and some of these have been interfaith efforts. Will you tell us about some of these interfaith efforts and what you've learned from this as you've tried to align with the Lord? I love this interfaith
2: meeting. So we meet together with priest, reverend from different denomination, and we talk about homeless, the children, and abuse. We talk about things like that and and to help them. And there are church leaders that they can go to. And so it's a very touchy subject because a lot of people don't want to admit that they are being abused, especially spousal abuse, children. Young people do not want to go and share what is happening to them. And if parents are not listening, who do they go to? Mm -hmm. And so we share those things. And what I love the most is how faith is put aside But everyone come together because of their love for children. They care about Mm -hmm. these issues. Mm -hmm. And how to protect them. But as time goes, I feel people are coming to understand there is so much resources out there that they can go to. But for those of us who have never gone through it, all they need is love from us. That's it. We don't need to pry until they want to tell us. Mm -hmm. Just put your arms around them and let them know we love you. The Lord loves you and just focus on God's love for them, and
1: all will be well. I think that's neat to bring members of different faiths together on something that everybody can be so passionate about, the safety and protection and well-being of children, spiritually and physically, mentally, emotionally. I love that, and I think that's easy to collaborate on, mm-hmm. is that protection and strength. And I'm
2: going to go back to culture. Some culture find it it's okay to spank your
0: children, it's okay to discipline them with the rod, but it is not. Yeah, the scriptures are very serious about the treatment of children. Mm-hmm. It kind of comes down to the fundamental beliefs of the gospel, right? That, Absolutely. That we are all children of God and mm-hmm. that we're precious in love and should treat each other as such. So, Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. It's so good to hear that... That you and other women leaders are involved in this effort representing the church and that you bring the perspective of wives and mothers and aunts Mm -hmm. and sisters and you get to bring and share that. So thank you. Thank you for your work doing that and thank you for sharing your experience.
2: I'm grateful for the church, the effort that they put into this.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And now in order for someone to work with the youth or the children out, there's a training that they must go through. And so I think that is just beautiful. So I believe it's every three years mm-hmm. that you must take that training. And it's really a simple training, but how grateful I am, it protects our children. Like President Nelson have said, these are special spirit that was just brought these last days. And I thought my time was a special. It was special
0: in its time. But the gathering of Israel, it's These young people. And that was the training that you were involved in creating and approving. Is that right? Yes. The children and youth. Mm -hmm. Sister Tukuafu, you have now been serving in this calling for almost three years. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to hear over time how your calling has changed, what you've learned through these changes. In the last year, we've been dealing with new challenges and uncertainties. And we'd love to hear how that has evolved and changed over those years.
2: I believe what has really changed for me is this pandemic and my feeling toward technology. <laughs> so when computer first started coming out, I did not allow a computer in my home. I felt like maybe if I thought about the good that the computer brings, it would be okay, but I didn't. And my sons, I have no daughter, I have four sons. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I'm bringing Satan into my home if I bring a computer into my home. Mm. Because these are children, and they are so curious about everything. And so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's why I didn't allow it. So when they had homework or they needed to do assignments, I would just go sit with them in the library until their homework was done. So I had never allowed it. And now this pandemic hit, I did not know how to use anything. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm grateful for our secretary who walked us through doing PowerPoints and things like that. Mm -hmm. There is so much good from technology. I see that now. Mm -hmm. I see that now. There is so much good. We can get in touch with our family. We learn so much about the gospel Mm -hmm. through technology. But there is still the negative part, the part that parents need to understand it's not always okay to use technology as a babysitting tool for their young ones. Mm-hmm. I know the primary app has so many different things for primary children, and that is wonderful. But always be careful. There is so much goodness from technology, but then there's also negative. Because Satan knows that through technology, he can destroy our young people, but we're
0: not going to let him. We are not going to let him, No. I really appreciate your perspective because I feel like I've been sort of evaluating what I want the role of social media to be in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of technology. And I think I'm tempted to just kind of throw it away because it can be such a waste of time. It can draw me away from things that I want to be really present for with my family or with my friends. And I think that that's almost easier than embracing and understanding, yes, there are challenges that we have to cope with and learn to deal with, but there's so much good that can come from it. And I like that over time you've learned, okay, there is some good here. Let's use this for good. And let's be mindful about the way that we use it. I talked to a friend recently who said she's gone through other times of feeling like social media was a waste of time or was something she didn't want to do. And then she reevaluated and thought, how can I use this to reach out to people who really need a lift, to stay in touch Mm -hmm. with people that I really care about, Mm -hmm. to notice and observe people's needs and then reach out to them in real life? And that was such an inspiration to me because it was like, I don't want to throw away all of the good that can come from this. We just have to be mindful and thoughtful in the way that we use technology so that we really can use it for good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As with everything else really in life. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. mm -hmm,
2: If we are not careful, because without technology, where would we be through this pandemic? So lonely and so bored. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. And to be able to be taught through technology, the Sunday school. The Relief mm-hmm. Society. It's amazing. It is, really is amazing. Yeah. And to be in touch with my grandchildren through technology, I love every minute of that. So there's so much good. The Lord put technology in our
1: time to teach
2: us and to move His work along. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: I loved this too. I'm wondering if you'll share this with us. You were explaining how you were learning how to, like, do the Zoom calls and do the presentations. I would love for you to just tell us about your learning curve and how, by you making mistakes, it showed other people that it's fine, like they're normal. normal. So when we were told, because we have assignment where we go do instruction, it
2: used to be training, but it's instruction now to different areas, different stakes. And so we used to do that in person. So when this pandemic came, we had to do it virtual. And then there are videos and PowerPoints that has to go in. And so our assignment was one would present the instruction and then the other person would do the PowerPoint. And oh my goodness, I was given the (laughs) chance to do the PowerPoint. And I prayed, prayed, my whole being depended (laughs) on that because I didn't want to make a mistake, but I did. And then I would say something. I said, I'm so sorry, but back in my island, we never had these. So (laughs) please forgive me. But uh, they are such sweet sisters. They taught me how to do these things. And so when I was able to present while another sister was doing the technology part, the glitches was there. And I love glitches. I love it because then we're not put on a pedestal. We are just like them. We're
1: primary servers with them. And you can relate to them. They can relate to you. And it's all normal. The glitches are a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. It really is, especially
2: when technology come. I know when I'm doing the PowerPoint, I would say, excuse me, get a drink of water or something because I need to
0: do Just this. take a little <laughs> break. We'll be right back. Everyone
1: can relate to that right now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Sister Tukuafu, is there anything that you would share with the women of the church, especially from your experience working with primary leaders for the past three years? I would like to say to the women of the church, just align our life
2: with the Lord. That's it. We do little things here and there, and we feel as a natural man that it's okay. There is a primary songs that I use all the time, and I love it. The wording says, if the Savior stood beside me, would I do the things I do? And if we ask that to ourselves, we can then align ourselves with what the Lord wants us to do. Just like what we learned last week in the Come, Follow Me, the armors of God. Maybe not all at once because we're human to put it on, but we can one at a time. If we have our feet always walking to the temple, we have put a part of that armor on. If we pay our tithing, teach our children, we put a part of that armor on. And sooner, the whole armor is in us. So we just align ourselves with God. It's just as simple as that. And it's free. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to buy anything. You
1: don't have to make payments to align yourself with God. You just do it. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And so validating, too, for many of our listeners to hear your encouraging words. to align your life with the Lord and do your best to yes. teach your children. So thank you. Well, Sister Tukuafu, thank you so much for joining us today and for being so open with so many of your personal experiences and your experiences with church service. And we really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. It was thank so you. wonderful
1: to meet you and
0: get to talk with you. Thank you so yes. much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast with Sister Tukuafu. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation and are enjoying other episodes of the podcast. We'd like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, our great producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast and would encourage our listeners to continue to send us feedback via email. We love reading reviews on iTunes and elsewhere, so continue to share your thoughts and feedback. We love hearing from you. Feel free to contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org
1: with any suggestions for topics or guests. And as you are thinking of people that you can share the podcast with, just know that in addition to being almost anywhere you're listening to podcasts, the Latter-day Saint Women podcast is also available on the Gospel Library app. If you navigate to Audiences and then Women, you'll find all those podcasts there. Just keep that in mind as you tune in and subscribe. Until next week, I'm Shaylin Back. And I'm Carly Guyman Thanks for listening.